Welcome to the Morning Upgrade Podcast with Ryan Cote, where we feature casual conversations with entrepreneurs about personal development and growth. Hey, John, welcome to the Morning Upgrade Podcast. How are you? Thanks for having me. Doing well. Excellent. Let's uh, introduce you to my audience of Morning Upgraders. Why don't you tell us who you are, what you do for a living, and then give me one thing that's going really well in your life right now. I was a strange kid in that from childhood, I wanted to be a therapist. I thought that was the coolest job in the world. And then I made that dream a reality, I guess. I've been a therapist for my entire career. I own a group practice in San Francisco, and I also uh, have a consulting business called Private Practice Workshop, where we help other therapists grow kind of a purpose-driven business and one that's really connected to their their personal values and their, their mission in life. One thing that's going well right now, lots of things are going well. I'm a new father and parenthood is going well and getting better by the day. Although people tell me it's also going to get harder, which is fine. But I have a really cute one and a half year old and I'm kind of leaning into fatherhood and also enjoying some of the benefits of being self-employed and being able to spend, you know, long mornings with my daughter or go pick her up early and, you know, have that flexibility because I'm I'm an entrepreneur. So I'm grateful for that right now. Good job and congrats on just crafting this life. And we've known each other for a bunch of years because we were part of the same mastermind and just seeing you develop the different businesses and just conquering the obstacles must be very rewarding to be where you're at right now, especially with a child, one and a half year old. For sure. It, yeah, having a kid made me really force me to really distill down what I need to actually get done in a day, especially when she was really young and I didn't have much bandwidth, both in terms of being exhausted and also time. And so it forced me more than anything before to really figure out if I've only got, you know, three and a half hours today to work on my business, what do I need to do? And kind of that 80 20 rule is something I think about a lot in terms of finding that 20% for my business and also making smart moves in terms of building a team of people who can keep the ball rolling when I'm exhausted or overwhelmed or out of commission or whatever it is. So that's been really a big lesson the past year and a half or so. That's a good point though. It's like, you know, we all, most of us work like a nine to five. Those are the hours that were set. I'm not sure where that came into play in business, why nine to five, but yeah, sometimes you can pack more into like a really focused, concentrated three hours as opposed to diluting it out over from nine to five. Cause after a certain period of time, at least most people, they just become less effective. hundred percent. There's also, so part of where that work we came from, I think is actually Henry Ford and the assembly line and the hours that they needed people to fill on the assembly line and whether or not I'm, I may or may not be completely making this up, but even if I'm not, it sounds good and it's a cool story. So um, we don't fact check. Along it's with fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a cool story anyway. But um, yeah, it's good to question that, right? And it's kind of like Tim Ferriss, The 4-Hour Work Week was one of the first books I read. And it's gotten a lot of recognition and praise. And it's a little cliche and a little overdone. But the point of that book is really to think differently about things and to question the status quo, right? So one step that I took a long time ago was I said, okay, what if I just force myself to get everything done in four days a week and stop working Fridays? I did that, you know, and I haven't worked Fridays since 2013 or so. And it's it's a day that I carve out every single week to do other things and spend time with my daughter, go surfing, focus on kind of passion projects and things like that. And then again, it forces me to make the most out of a shorter week. So I'm always experimenting with stuff like that. The other piece is, you know, they call it Parkinson's law. If you're a teacher and you give your students a week to write, 
you know, a 10 page essay, they're going to make that task fit that gap. If you give them three weeks to write that 10 page essay, they will make that task fit that gap. It'll be a three week project, right? So there's a lot of little things like that that help me along the way in terms of giving myself smaller windows. It kind of forces my focus and it also forces me sometimes to let go of things, right? Whether it's delegating it or eliminating something entirely or saying no to a business opportunity. That's another thing that I've kind of gotten better at over the past couple of years. Do you have a sweet spot in terms of how many hours you're looking to work per week? I know it depends on what you have going on, but is there a number that comes to mind when I ask that question? I do, and I don't, but I also don't want to offend people because people are so uh, people are so locked into their 40-hour week, right? And people grow resentful of that, you know, those hours sometimes. So for me, if I pull up my calendar right now, I'm generally between the hours of 11 to 5, Monday through Thursday. So that would be six times four, that'd be 24 hours a week. Those are effectively the hours I have. Part of that is because I actually have my mornings blocked off for part of my kind of morning routine that we can talk about. And then another part of that is I have a hard stop at five because our childcare is done at five. So I have no choice but to end my day then. I try to be done for the day, you know, at five rather than working late at night and stuff. So I'm trying more and more to push, you know, keep everything within those boundaries. And, and it, it is working more or less. My days are short and intense and that's, that's worked really well for me. So to me, it's just about finding what works for you. Right. And I also tell a lot of my business consulting clients, you have to have something outside of work that you love enough to where you can't wait to get off work and go do that thing. You know, and I have a bunch of those things, whether it's surfing, also making music, another passion uh, for the past year or so has been acting. I've been learning to act and, you know, getting cast in different projects and stuff like that. So I have to have those things, you know, outside of work to, again, kind of force me into having balance. And also I have to have something exciting outside of work that will pull me out of work. Otherwise, I am inclined and by nature, I will work all the time you know, if I don't have anything else pulling me from it. So yeah, it's just been a a kind of a journey, but there's also periods where it's clearly a sprint for me and I'm working more than those hours and I'm working a lot. And that's a very dedicated or that's an intentional period. And the thing I teach my consulting clients is I don't, I don't really care what you do as long as it's intentional, right? If you're working 70 hours a week, as long as it's intentional, then I don't care, right? I'm kind of agnostic in that regard. If you've set your fees a certain way, I don't care what your fees are as long as it's intentional, right? For you and your life and your goals and your family and all that stuff. So that's just another big piece of kind of what I what I teach, helping people figure out for them what is what are their values and how to align their life and with their values. Yeah, I love that point you just said about having something outside of work that you enjoy because you're making me go like, uh oh, because I don't know if I have that. I mean, I've got morning upgrade, but that's this is a business to me with the mission I'm in and it and officially is a business. So it's not really like yeah. a hobby, um, even though it's outside of work. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I have that. So you got my wheels turning, I'm sure others listening. I get you back in the boxing gym. Well, so okay, okay. Well, so I guess <laughs> I do have the Oculus VR now and I download a bunch of boxing yeah, apps. Perfect. I've got one too. Okay. So th- I guess, does that count? Okay. That counts. And I feel better. <laughs> it counts. Uh, it counts. So let's talk about your morning routine. You, you mentioned it before and, and I want to talk to you about surfing as well. Maybe that's connected, but what is your, what do your mornings look like? I started a morning routine. This is not, again, not uncommon, but reading uh, a miracle, the miracle morning. That book changed everything for me again, in terms of how to think about your day and why it matters to kind of win the day early on. 
Um, I also will tell you right off the bat, I am not a morning person. My body is wired. And there's actually, I actually read some science behind this to some people who say I'm a, I'm a morning person or I'm a night owl. There actually is some science behind that in terms of our hormones and our neurochemicals and what gets emitted in, in our brains at morning or night. So for me at night, I get really sleepy during the day around 2, 3 p.m. And then it starts cranking up again in terms of my energy. And then at probably eight or nine, I get super awake and super sharp. And I actually have a lot of ideas at night. And I might, you know, write some stuff down or have realizations about my business or my life or creative projects. So that's just kind of how my brain works. And then in the morning, my brain isn't really doing much until 10 or 11 a.m. So that just is what it is. I've had to learn to work with that. That being said, having a one and a half year old means I'm up at six o'clock every day, whether I like it or not. The morning routine that I try to stick to when I'm, I've woken up, I'm at the house. Ideally, I get up before my daughter so I have that window to, to do my thing. The first piece is um, uh, a brief kind of meditation or a devotion, whatever you want to call it, usually from a book like that has a daily you know, meditation. I'm reading this daily stoic thing right now by Ryan Holiday, which I, I would guess that you probably know about him. Great book. Yeah. So I've been, I've been doing that. That's just a quick little, you know, 30 second read and kind of a meditation. And then I write down what I call three and three. And as a therapist, I assign this to as homework to tons of my clients. So all you do is you write down three things you're grateful for and three things you're looking forward to. When we deal with burnout, depression, loneliness, when we're kind of feeling lost in life or purposeless, this is a really good way to start to create that snowball again. And sometimes it'll feel really forced. So I'll tell people when you're doing that three and three and you say, hey, man, it's really hard to think of three things I'm grateful for. You might need to simplify all the way down to I'm, I'm, I'm just grateful for the clothes on my back today or I'm grateful for having clean drinking water or whatever it is. And then the piece about having things to look forward to, there's actually research when it relates to depression that scheduling or booking a vacation that's even way in the distance, just that in itself has a significant reduction in depression symptoms, whether or not you even take the trip. So think about this, right? If you don't have a vacation on your books right now and you're, you're working, life is crazy, there's this whole COVID thing happening you know, in the background of all of our lives or, or in the foreground, and it's kind of like, man, life is just a grind right? With any, without a clear break coming up. You schedule that trip you and your family are going to the beach or whatever in a couple months and you shut your computer and you feel a little different and you feel a little better, right? And it also makes your struggle a little more palatable for now, right? Because you've got, you've got an opening coming up. So because of that, you know, you take that and write down three things you're looking forward to. And again, it could be a big trip, but it could be as simple as, you know, I'm looking forward to um, going surfing on Friday or getting coffee with a friend on Saturday or whatever it is. I'm looking forward to, you know, exercising later today after work. Really small but simple, but your mind is, uh, it is prone to habits and we get anxious and depressed because of bad habits, right? Bad cognitive habits. So we have to kind of spoon feed ourselves better cognitive habits all the time and build those muscles. And by doing that, you're going to change your emotional reality and uh, your, your emotional world. So again, sometimes it might feel like a stretch, but the key is just to do it and get something on paper. And over time, it'll become automatic. If you do this enough, what will happen is you won't even need the paper anymore. You will just wake up and open your eyes and you'll think of your three and three. Right. So that's really powerful, too, once it becomes that habitualized in your mind. Does that make sense? 
No, it does. And, and it's really interesting what you said about planning out the vacation in the future. It sounds like a little hack because the optimized program I'm going going through right now from Brian Johnson and even the interview I watched with Tony Robbins on Ed Milet's show, uh, watched it yesterday and again today, they both mentioned hope, like having hope, something to look forward to. You know, that positive mindset is really key to inner fulfillment and whatever words you want to use, joy. And it sounds like that might be circling that whole theory, what you're saying. It has a lot to do with it, right? When we have hope, everything becomes more palatable, right? Or this is also why having faith in any regard, whether it's a a religious faith or not, is extremely protective, right? People of faith are extremely resilient because bad things happen. And your reaction is, yeah, this happened and I'm suffering, but everything happens for a reason. I can can live through this, right? And things will get better. I'm trusting that it's all going to work out versus I'm in control of everything. I'm in control of my life and every single variable and things going right or wrong, right? And finding that sweet spot, right? It's kind of like uh, the serenity prayer and knowing the difference between things you can control and things that are out of your control and having peace with, with letting go. So I think all that stuff really matters, you know, and if anything, the second pandemic that's happening underneath COVID right now is mental health, not to get on too much of a soapbox, but people are struggling more with their mental health, it also means they're taking it more seriously and they're valuing therapy more and they're, it's becoming more commonplace just to talk about your therapy, uh, which I think is a good thing. But, you know, it's a game of inches, right? And a game of, of having better habits that are going to help you compounding over time. Could not agree more. I'm trying yeah. to instill that into my girls right now. Like, yes, you want to yeah. exercise and all that, but that's the physical. Don't forget about your, your mindset too. And so I think it's super, 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 super important to mention that. Well, you've talked about a lot about self-care. That was one of the questions I have for you, and I'm happy you mentioned that. I do want to talk to you about surfing. I know you, you, you're a big surfer, and it ties into your personal growth. I know you think that, and I think it's a, an awesome sport for getting to flow. And you know, try to convince us if you know I don't surf. Try to convince me <laughs> that could. surfing is the, yeah. Try to convince me. Okay, so I actually only started surfing when I moved back to California about about two years ago, and. So yeah, living in San Francisco, the water is extremely cold, and this is certainly part of it, right? Even though you're wearing a wetsuit, you get in the water, and there's a mental barrier there of getting yourself in mm. extremely cold water. Or lately, the temperature has been in the 40s in the wow. mornings, and the water is very, very cold. Your feet will go numb pretty much instantly, and your hands as well. So there's that too, and I know you've experimented with cold showers, and a lot of people do that. This checks that box for me. This is more fun than taking a cold shower at home, you know. So um, I get to the beach. The drive in itself is a nice little wake up. I've got coffee on the way. And then I get there and there's a ritual, right, of putting on your wetsuit, waxing your board, going out and actually checking the waves and just looking out at the waves for a bit to visualize how you're going to surf and how you're going to ride waves and how you're going to approach it today. Getting in the water again, that cold that temperature change wakes you up and it's extremely stimulating and it's really therapeutic for your nervous system, right? From there, there's it checks a lot of boxes. One is the immersion in nature and having sunlight on my face and even seeing wildlife. There's a little seal that swims around in the, the surf break that I'm at every morning and he's often no more than five or 10 feet from me, which is really always pretty wild, but he's just playing in the waves there with me and doing his own surfing. Being away from your cell phone is part of it too, right? A cell phones and being in the ocean don't mix, at least uh, not the current cell phone I have. So being completely disconnected is certainly part of it too, right? Versus being on the Peloton and checking your phone or being on a screen all day. 
you're about to go be on a screen for, for nine hours anyway, right? So this is a good chance to step back from that. The other piece, there's also a social component, right? So I have friends out there. I meet people in the water. I, I check in with people. We have little conversations, and it fills that need for me as well. In terms of the activity itself, surfing is very vigorous. It's very intense. It requires a kind of full coordination of your body and lots of different muscle groups. But from a challenge perspective, it puts you in a, a flow state. So a flow state, and if you want to kind of Google this, or if you're listening, you can just Google like what is a flow state, and you can click on images and look at a chart. So flow state, if you think about this on this on this chart, it's this middle zone where you have just enough challenge that it requires you to be fully present, right? But it's not so challenging that you're overwhelmed or anxious, but it's also not so boring that you're bored and understimulated. So it's one of those things similar to, you know, I used to ride motorcycles and it's one of those things where part of why riding a motorcycle is so therapeutic is because the second you take your mind off the task is when you potentially lose your life, right? Um, surfing, depending on the waves, can be a similar thing where it is forcing you and forcing your focus entirely on what you're doing because the wave comes, there's a very short window where you're paddling hard to catch it, doing the pop-up, riding the wave, dodging other people, dodging rocks, whatever it is, and then doing it over again. So there's also these great moments in between waves where you're paddling back out and you're just sitting. You're sitting, you're staring out in the distance for the next wave, and you're sitting and you're thinking, and it's extremely quiet. I have some of my biggest realizations about my life and business while I'm out there. So I mentioned the whole work hours thing. Those are the hours where I'm actually sitting down doing stuff, right? Having meetings, seeing clients, building programs. But those moments where I'm out there in the water, when I'm stepping back from a business, I get so much clarity and I make so many decisions out there. I actually just let my unconscious make decisions while I'm out there. And by having something as intensive and involved as surfing, it actually lets your unconscious crunch on your, your, your problems the same way that you can solve problems in your dreams by letting your unconscious kind of take the floor and, and you know, uh, process through things. Right? That's why they say, if it's a big decision, sleep on it. I would say sleep on it and then maybe go surfing or go for a long run or go ride your motorcycle or go fishing because your unconscious is really powerful and it can help you kind of uncover the truth that you're looking for. So after that, it's impossible to have a bad day. You know, I go take a hot shower at this surf club I go to and then I go to the office and I'm there by 11 and it's really hard to have a, a bad day after that. So that's, that's become integral part of my morning routine really of my life, given that it takes almost half my day, but it's well worth it. So there you have it it's also the only sport where you can get eaten that i can think of at least yeah, <laughs> i know not to, not to joke around about that but it's true i mean but, but you know joking aside that all the points you made it makes total sense that it sounds like you've got an article in you that needs to be written because like everything you're saying with the connection of you know all the points to personal development the connection to personal growth exercise and all of that it all makes a lot of sense yeah well this was good john Super actionable. I knew the 15, 20 minutes would fly by and lo and behold, they have. Uh, if someone wants to reach out to you, learn more, connect with you, where should we send them? Yeah. If you're in California, you know, on the counseling side, my counseling site is calmagaincounseling.com. And we're a practice, a group practice of therapists. We see people virtually all over California and also in San Francisco. We focus a lot on trauma and anxiety. And then on the business consulting side, that site is privatepracticeworkshops.com. We've got loads of you know free content, YouTube, podcasts, 
mastermind groups and things like that. So yeah, reach out in either, either direction. If you're, if you're interested in learning more about kind of what I do and either way, thank you uh, Ryan for having me. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Great job, John. Thanks for everything you shared and thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for listening to the morning upgrade podcast. Please subscribe and review and don't forget to visit us at morningupgrade.com for more content.